You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Ben mentioned that, uh, that I was a co-writer of a book on some of the parables of Jesus, and today we are going to be looking at one of the parables of Jesus. It's actually two parables found in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46. So three verses, two parables. They read like this. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, we ask today that you would give us ears to hear and hearts to receive what your word says, that we might see what this treasure, what this pearl is, and we might understand why it is, in fact, so significant in your word. We ask this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, before I start preaching at you today, I want you to take a moment to consider a question that probably is fairly predictable. What do you treasure the most in your life? And no, I'm, I'm not looking here for the Sunday school answer, which causes you to instinctively say whether it's true or not, Jesus. But what do you really treasure most in your life. For some, it may be something simple. For example, Johnny Cash was asked by an interviewer once what he would define as paradise. And looking over at his wife sitting next to him, June, he replied, this morning with her having coffee. Man, it doesn't get any smoother than that. Way to go, fella. Before I worked full-time with 1517, I planted a church in New York City. And during that time, I would go up to strangers on the street and in cafes to ask them questions. And after a little introductory sort of small talk, I would always get to this question, where do you find hope? And admittedly, they'd be a bit taken aback at first, like, oh, oh, we got, we got real, real fast, and I don't know you, and who are you, and are you a weirdo? But always, they would answer the question. They would, they would give me an answer, and the answers would, would vary. Uh, you would hear a lot of the time, my family gives me hope, or my career gives me hope, or money, or success. I remember one guy said to me, after thinking about it for a long time, I give me hope. The reason I asked that question is because I thought it was a fairly good introductory indicator into what people most treasured, most valued. 
that which we place our hope in, we tend to treasure a lot. Not surprisingly, Jesus says in our parables today that ultimately the greatest treasure is his kingdom. And to illustrate this, he uses the picture of the the hidden treasure and, and the pearl, both extraordinarily valuable items. And so what I want to discuss today is is how valuable were these items? What, what in fact, is his kingdom actually worth? And what we see is that this kingdom is so valuable that, that one seeks and strives and works to obtain it. Indeed, the picture given in the parables is of a man searching and striving to find something. In the first, you have the treasure hunter. The next, you have the merchant. Uh, a little while back, uh, one of my weird friends on social media posted a video online of a horse giving birth. Now, being that I have never witnessed a horse giving birth, I decided to watch the process. And uh, folks, it, it is pretty amazing. And yes, it is pretty gross. But nevertheless, it's pretty amazing. And as I watched the horse pushing out this huge pony about halfway through, you could just sense how insanely difficult and painful the process was for Mama Horse. She was squirming and turning and doing everything she could to get this baby out, but no matter what she did, that little pony just wasn't interested in greeting the world. And so she pushed and she strived and she worked, seeking with all her might, eventually after much agony, Her child, the treasure, was found. Perhaps when I asked you earlier what your treasure was, you didn't immediately think of anything. Sometimes when preachers ask questions of you, we move forward too quickly. I get that, and I kind of did it purposely today. And so we're not going to have time to gather our thoughts and actually think, what is it that I treasure the most? But if you have a hard time sort of identifying that, one way to find out what you treasure most is just ask yourself what you strive after most. What do you give your time and your talents and your own treasures to the most? What are you willing to put in the extra hours for? What are the things in your life that you think about when you don't have to think about anything at all? What really drives you? You answer some of those questions and you'll probably be able to identify what it is you treasure. That sort of striving and working is what Jesus says that the kingdom is worth. Thus you have passages like Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount that say seek first the kingdom of God and Luke 13 that say strive after the narrow door of the kingdom. Jeremiah 29, which says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with not just some of your heart, all of your heart. Indeed, the kingdom is so valuable that it demands complete obedience to obtain it. Matter of fact, it even goes beyond that. In order to obtain the kingdom, it it demands sacrifice. Both men in the parables, upon finding the great treasures, immediately enjoy the sacrifice all they have to get it. Indeed, in that day, that would have been like them giving up their lives to have the treasure of God's kingdom. And this, again, fits with the rest of what Jesus says about his kingdom in the Gospels. 
Remember, it is him that says one must pick up their cross, this sacrificial act, not just once, but daily if they are part of his kingdom. One must die to themselves joyfully because they see the kingdom of such incredible value that it's not really even a question for them. There's a man I read about in Australia named Carl Rabiter who was willing to give up everything for his treasure. Indeed, he, he actually sold away everything he owned and gave away all of his $3 million fortune to charity. And when asked why by someone, he said, well, what I had was just too heavy and I just wanted to be free. His treasure was this hope for freedom from the responsibility that all of this money gave. And I know, I know some of you are thinking, dear sir, I'd be more than happy to take that burden off your shoulders. But for him, that freedom was what he treasured most. And so again, to answer the question, what do you treasure? Well, what are you willing to suffer for, to sacrifice for? That's what Jesus says his kingdom is worth, everything. And so, fair enough, fair enough. I suppose we could just end our time here. I could just say, those who strive, work, and give up everything will have the kingdom. And then maybe I could invite you down right here to the altar, and I could pray for you to have the ability to do it, and we could say amen. And maybe even just maybe you could walk out of here with a renewed sense of passion to actually do it. And then, upon further uh, attendance here, the preachers could ask you questions like, are you really striving? Are you really working? Are you really giving up everything for the kingdom? But there's still a, there's still a few issues we've got to deal with before we can wrap this all up. And that is, I, I haven't really discussed the most important parts of this parable for you yet. And, and, and what I mean is we, we need to identify, first of all, who the treasure hunter, and for that matter, the merchant, merchant actually are. And we do need to identify what the kingdom actually represents in these stories. So first of all, let's try to determine the identity of the treasure hunter and the merchant. Many scholars and theologians have said that these figures are meant to represent human beings, you and I. And if this is so, then the meaning of the parable is really as simple as what I just told you. That this is about Jesus calling people to value his kingdom so much that they gladly give up everything to have it. Now again, I don't want to diminish that potential interpretation, and I don't want to say that it's without warrant entirely. As I mentioned the various scriptures earlier, there, there are many times in scripture that Jesus calls his disciples to be willing to give up everything. So it's an understandable interpretation in and of itself. But, but there, is a, there is a slight problem with that interpretation. And that is all of human history and all of your experience and mine. 
What I mean is, if you interpret this to be about you actually giving up everything, actually sacrificing everything, well, then you have to deal with the small problem that not a single human being has ever actually pulled it off. Oh, I know many, like myself, would say that our deepest treasure in this life is God's kingdom, but when I actually honestly look at the record of my life, it's not long before I'm convinced I'm not cutting it. I mean, the call of Scripture is, there's no, there's no half measures, you know. I mean, it, when Jesus sums up the first table of the law, he doesn't say you must love God as good as you can with most of your heart. But no, he uses the word all. And not just all of your heart, but all of your mind and all of your strength and all of your, all of your body. I mean... How do you even do that? If I really, really valued the kingdom above all things, I actually would do it instinctively. Because Jesus says elsewhere, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. But I I don't do that. And neither does anybody else perfectly. But if this is the case, then then the outcome of this parable is that nobody is the merchant and nobody is the treasurer. Or the treasure hunter, excuse me. Well, that's not going to work. It's got to be somebody. And so let me briefly introduce you to another way of interpreting these parables that I think fits the context more. And that is that the merchant and the treasure hunter actually represents Jesus Christ himself. Now, at first glance, this might seem a strange interpretation, but but stick with me here. First thing to note, in the previous parables of the kingdom found in this chapter in Matthew 13, Jesus is clearly shown to be represented by the person doing the verbs, doing the work in all the different parables. Secondly, when we look at what the merchant and the treasure hunter actually do in the parables to obtain the treasure, this certainly fits the description of what Jesus alone actually does. In order to obtain his treasure, Jesus strives always fulfilling his Father's perfect will. In order to buy his treasure, Jesus gladly sacrifices everything. Indeed, Hebrews chapter 12 famously says, Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so if this is the case, if Jesus can be seen as the merchant, then the only question we have remaining to interpret is what is the treasure. What is the pearl that he is willing to sacrifice everything for? And my guess is you probably already have an inclination as to the answer. The treasure is you. You are his pearl of great price. Like the merchant, Jesus had to find you when you were lost and hidden 
in your sins and transgressions. Like the merchant, Jesus had to seek after you. Indeed, that was his mission. I came here to seek and save the lost, he said. In order to possess you as his own, Jesus Christ joyfully gives up everything on the cross, declaring paid in full. And here's one more piece of good news for all who hear this message. The treasure hunter is so excited that he not only pays enough for the treasure, but he pays enough for the entire field. Now, in the context of this parable, the field is said to represent the entire world. So you know what that means. It means that through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus has paid enough for all the people. Your non-Christian neighbor bought and paid for, your unbelieving spouse bought and paid for, the drug addict, the murderer, the thief, the adulterer, you name the sin, you name the sinner, bought and paid for all of them. There is no part of this field that Jesus has not atoned for. At the cross, Jesus takes upon himself the sin of the world and imputes those who believe with his righteousness purely by grace, thereby declaring all who believe that they are in fact his treasure and pearls of great price. I've made this kind of exchange before, trading my junk for treasure. When I was in seventh grade, my friend Micah and I were into collecting baseball and basketball cards, except I was way more into collecting baseball and basketball cards than he was. Like I actually, uh, I actually had price guides, so I knew the value of most of the cards. And, uh, and he didn't, it was just kind of, you know, he would collect a pack here and there and didn't really take any good care of them. I had mine in like books with, you know, plastic cases to keep them safe so that I could sell them one day for six cents a piece or whatever it was. Very valuable commodity. And so one day Micah invited me over to come do some trading with him and I walked into his room and not surprisingly he's just got basketball cards sort of spread all over the floor of his room and it didn't look anything like the way that I had taken care of my collection. And I brought some cards with me, mostly not very valuable cards. And pretty soon I noticed on the floor that he didn't just have like junky cards on the floor. He had like old Magic Johnson cards and Larry Bird cards that were actually worth quite a bit of money. And then I noticed that he had like three or four Michael Jordan rookie cards just laying on the floor like an absolute animal. And so I pulled out a card that I knew was worth five cents, and I said, hey, Micah, can I trade you this Dan Quisenberry card? Yes, that was actually the card for your Michael Jordan rookie card. And without a moment's hesitation, Micah said, sure. And at that moment, I obtained the Michael Jordan rookie card that I still have treasured today. Now, I will say I I did feel a little bad because I knew, I knew what I had done. I won that deal handily. 
And so I did go back to him even the next day, and I said, listen, I, I give you a Dan Quisenberry card, man. That guy pitches weird. Like, you know, it's not worth nothing. Uh, do you want some more cards for the Michael Jordan card? He said, nah, I don't care. It's fine. And so with that, my conscience was clear, and I kept the card, and I have the treasure today. My junk exchanged for the gold. As amazing as it may be to us, like my friend, Jesus is just fine taking your junk and giving you all you need to be his treasure. Because really, that's all you're bringing. To this exchange, you bring your junk and your sin and your mess, and Jesus Christ comes to you where you're at and gives you his perfection. At the cross, he gets dirty, but in the process, he lifts us up and takes away the sting of death and hell. It is true, the founder and perfecter of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him endures the cross, despising the shame. He does not stay dead, but rises from, this slump, from that slumber and victoriously proclaims to the devil, God is my father, I am his son, and I have bought this world back. You are defeated. And now he calls out to you through a poor, insufficient preacher like me saying, you're mine now. You're my treasure. Can you believe it? Can you believe that? That you are actually his treasure? Can you believe that he values, that, values you that much? Can you say along with Thomas Merton in response to the question, who am I? I am one loved by Christ. Can you say along with Brennan Manning, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. Dear saints, yes, you can. Because it's true. Amen. Father, we thank you because in spite of ourselves, out of great love for us, you have declared us to be your treasure and your pearl. I think for many of us, when we hear a declaration like that, it's hard for us to believe we know who we are. We know our failures and our shortcomings and our insecurities. And often we're prone to seeing ourselves as junk. But that is not true. It is simply not true. We are created in your image. We are redeemed by your Son. And we have a kingdom to look forward to forever, for which we gave you, give you praise and thanksgiving in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.